Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. I am your host, Jason Day, and I had a wonderful conversation with Lacey Finn Borgo this week. If you are in ministry, or if you are a parent, or if you are both, this episode is going to be incredibly helpful. Lacey holds a Doctor of Ministry degree in Leadership and Spiritual Formation and teaches classes on spiritual direction at Portland Seminary and other institutions across the country. In addition to her practice with adults, Lacey provides spiritual direction for children at Haven House, a transitional housing facility for homeless families. Her latest book, Spiritual Conversations with Children, Listening to God Together, is available now. In this episode, Lacey and I discuss the natural receptivity of children to God's spirit and presence. Lacey shares simple ways your church can be even more intentional with children's ministry, and she provides several creative ways to talk with children about spiritual matters. This is such an important conversation, so be sure to share this episode with others. And now, won't you please join me in my conversation with Lacey Finn Borgo. Lacey, welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. So good to have you with us today. Wonderful to be with you on this sunny Colorado day. Excellent. (laughs) Uh, Your most recent work really focuses on the spiritual formation of children. And as pastors and ministry leaders, many of us have our own children, right? I have six of my own children, right? But we also share responsibility in the spiritual growth of children in our church communities. And in your latest book, you share examples of how children are naturally, it seems, more open, more receptive to God's spirit and his presence than than we as adults often are. Mm-hmm. Can, can you talk to us just a little bit about some of, some of these examples? Sure. Well, it, you know, it boils down to that every human being is born wired even for connection. So we have neurological and physiological wirings that predisposition us to connect. And that connection is not only human to human, but it's human to God as well. We are wired for that. And so as we um, grow in our life with God and we become adults and we have a lot more baggage and our image of God is shaped by um, those with it who have authority in our life. And so it can get marred and, and we um, have some resistance towards God, but children don't have that. They come with the wiring prepared and ready to see God. And they're, they're mostly, I mean, they're just ready to do it. Um, and it's more around language that they just don't have the language to articulate it. Um, and they don't have the language to name it in the same way they can't, you know, name a Volkswagen. Hmm. Um, so um, they're just prepared and ready and experiencing God already. You know, God has longed every person into existence. And so children have been longed. Uh, we all live because God wants us to. Um, and so that wanting, God's wanting us, um, is is really the reason why they're open and ready. Hmm. That's that's that's, that's fascinating. And you know, I, I mean, it makes sense as as you kind of talk through that, as we kind of reflect on our own lives. Um, 
you know, as we mature, as we grow older, as we have more life experiences, um, there are definitely more things that, um, in a way, can almost even distract from us, you know, hearing from God. You know, we get we get caught up in a lot more um, things, whether they're positive things, negative things, you know, responsibilities, or just, you know, the, the daily news, especially mm-hmm. in the time we find ourselves today. Um, mm-hmm. So as we're thinking about children being more open and, and receptive, it makes me kind of reflect on how we approach ministry to children in many of our churches today. And oftentimes, whether whether conscious or not, we tend to um, minister to children in a way that is almost like they're not quite ready. You know what I mean? What we're waiting for them to grow up type of a thing, as opposed mm-hmm. to really leaning into who they are, how God's created them, and where they are at this point in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, what what can you help us with in regard to maybe rethinking how we approach um, ministry to children in light of what you've shared about their receptivity? Mm-hmm. Well, we, we have historically, and this is where um, I did my doctoral work, we have historically um, help, wanted children to think themselves into a relationship with God, but we can easily, we, uh, and you know, this happened, um, it came about through the enlightenment and our heightened um, uh, value as a, a people of reason that, that we, um, we placed the value on having right answers. But if, if we um, take a step back and reflect on what helps people stay in relationship, which that's our point, right? Isn't it relationship with God? Mm -hmm. What helps people stay in relationship over a long term? And it's experience. It's having an encounter with someone. It's not really having information about them. I have loads of information about lots of people that I have no relationship with. Mm. So, so as we children, however, don't have to have um, adult um, capabilities of reason. They don't have to have all, I mean, information is important, but it, but it is not um, sort of the first, um, the first prize, but children have everything they need. They have bodies, they have um, sensory awareness, and they have their own ways of communicating and understanding the world. They have all of what they need to have an encounter with God. Everything they need. An infant has everything that they need for encounter with God. Mm. So if we change the the language and we change our focus, and it's not, again, to say information isn't important. It is. um, But it is a bad encounter. Yeah, you know what's... um... What's so fascinating, if we think of, of Scripture, you know, the God's story as it unfolds in Scripture, um, Jesus makes it clear the value and importance of children. Um, but so many of the stories um, throughout, you know, God's story deal with younger people, you know, children. And, <laughs> it, it, and we love to tell those stories, you know. Um, uh-huh. We love to kind of share those stories. But it's just fascinating to think that the the document that God has given us to help us navigate life um, made children a priority and included those stories of children. And, and a lot of documents, you know, that have come throughout history 
don't include stories of children. Don't include you know um, you know these these powerful narratives of how how young people have experienced God or you know other other faiths or other religions and those types of things. And yet we find this in Scripture, which I think is pretty fascinating and, and says a lot, right, about mm-hmm. how God views young people. Mm-hmm. Well, you see, Jesus, again, uh, he, he, he makes a radical move in pulling a child in among them. And, um, you know, in, in that culture, um, while the Jewish tradition valued children, say, more than the Roman culture did, for sure, um, still children were of low value. And you watch Jesus. He uses his body to shift the power over to the child. That's, that is a statement. Um, that, is, that is a statement that would have jarred and did jar. Um, as we can see, um, the disciples are just dumbfounded at what Jesus is saying and doing. Um, and when he takes a young boy's lunch and he feeds people, he includes children mm. in ministry. Right. He gives this child uh, uh, an opportunity to co-labor um, with him. <laughs> Imagine that. Right, right. That's one of the one of the most amazing. Um, I, uh, a story comes to mind um, when I had the opportunity to go to some Chinese churches in Canada and um, and talk a little bit about children's spiritual formation and be with children. I did a camp. And um, I like to do this little thing where um, we have a, a balm of chapstick. We call it blessing balm, but it really is just lip balm. And we put a little cross on the child's hand and look into the child's eyes and we say, God loves you very much. And God will never leave you. And look for where God might be and around you and inviting you into an encounter today. And um, and we just do this little thing. Well, we had a harebrained idea um, to invite the children to bless their parents at the end. And so the children all took the, you know, they had been receiving blessing throughout the week. And now they were inviting to pass it on. And it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, I think, in mm. my life. You saw parents, um, you know, getting down to their child's level. So eye to eye and the child looking their parents in the eye and saying, God loves you very much. And it is a pow- you know, children wield um, an innocence that captivates adults. And to invite them in with their power of innocence, really, um, to bless adults it's and it empowers the child to say you have some experience with god your experience is valid and now you can use it to serve and love others mm. yeah that's powerful that's that's powerful lacy mm-hmm. your your most recent book is entitled spiritual conversations with children listening to mm-hmm. god together and and you share that children really need a listening companion can you talk to us a little bit about what a listening companion does for a child? Mm, thank you. You know, um, uh, uh, we have done lots of, again, lots of teaching of children. I have two daughters of my own who are adolescents. And so um, I've, I have um, lectured them far beyond their capacity 
in their so many years on the planet. Mm -hmm. But the real stretch has been to learn to listen to them. Mm -hmm. um, and when we, when we set aside our agenda, and again, I'm not saying information isn't important, and even lectures. I mean, I recently gave one on why driving slowly is a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, information is important. But two things happen when we set aside our agenda and we set aside um, our wants and our own thing that's moving. One is we help the child to listen to themselves. I mean, in our world, children and young people are flooded with everyone else telling them what to do. I mean, mm -hmm. especially, you know, and in our, and with our consumeristic culture, they've got commercials and ads and constantly, but when we listen to them and we mirror back to them what we're hearing them say, whether we like it or not, we help them hear themselves. Mm. And, oh, they just don't even know what they, what they think, what they want. And God cares deeply what their deepest desires are because those deepest desires are where his longings are for them. Not their surface ones, but their very deepest. So when we listen, we help them hear themselves. And second, when we listen and we ask specific questions that help them reflect on their life with God, um, we help them to hear God. Hmm. And those are the two most important um, people that they learn to hear, themselves hmm. and God. Right. Um, and and um, recently, um, I, I've um, really in some prayer time, God um, offered me this kind of language that we let God be the hero of their lives. Hmm. That when we listen to them and we reflect back, we let God, and God always wanted to be the hero, but we let God be the hero. I love that. I love that. Now, as we're talking about listening together with our, with our children and listening to our children, helping them listen to themselves, helping them listen to God, when an adult is in that relationship with a child, there's a natural, you know, par power dynamic between mm -hmm. adults and children. Um, why is it important for adults to share their authority with children? And how can we help kind of mitigate this, this almost natural power dynamic? Sure. And it's, it's, it's present in the room, um, whether we want it to be or not. Um, I was a public school school teacher for years. And, you know, if you want to be in control of a room, you'd be there first. Mm. Um, you naturally just fill the space. Um, but when we shift power to a child, one, um, that helps them to know it's safe. And we do that by sitting on the floor. Um, with young children, we get to their level and they can move their bodies. Like when I, I sit with children at Haven House, which is a, a facility for homeless families. And um, that's where I go and practice holy listening. And I sit on the floor with children to listen to them. And that way they get to control how close their body is to mine. Um, and they get to control, um, you know, uh, uh, what they want to say. So whatever they choose to talk about, um, I'll ask a few questions, but I leave the floor entirely open. Um, I love this. Um, this is a, uh, an acronym that helps me to remember, and it's BOW, B-O-W. 
So body, um, you know, when I'm speaking with my, um, my teen children at home, um, if I have a device in my hand, um, I'm closed off to them. Um, and they're closed off to me too. And so it's freeing my hands, making sure my arms aren't crossed, just showing in my body, I'm, I'm facing them, I'm looking at them, that, um, that I am looking at you and um, that's the way that we empower them. I am here in vulnerability. And the second is O, so a sense of openness. So as they share in this particular moment, so maybe, you know, if it's a, a parent um, or if it's a pastor and wanting to have conversation with the children in their parish, in their church, um, you, you want to get your body in a way that you are at the same level that they are. So whether that's bending down or kneeling or whatever, or bringing them up, um, get your body on the same level. And then have an openness to whatever they are saying. And that means that you are suspending yourself as the judge of their experience. Mm. And you are allowing God to be in that space. You're inviting God to listen with you. And you are in and, and you're just holding it as generously as you possibly can. Um, I've I've la- lately been reading the Psalms, praying the Psalms for my uh, two teens. And what I've noticed is, boy, you could just bring anything to God. Hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Unrighteous uh, rage and hate, it's there. Hmm. And and God holds it with generosity. Incredible, incredible generosity. Tenderness, vulnerability. So how can we um, listen to children in a way that it holds that kind of godly openness. And then the W is wonder. And um, as we listen to children, can we have that sense of wonder, a wondrous expectation? I wonder what God is doing in your life. Hmm. And that's even a great question to ask a child. You know, what? where have you experienced God in the last week? Where have you experienced something that is good, and beautiful and true. Mm. Can you tell me about that? And it may be, it may be absolutely what you do not expect. It could be that when they were holding their little brother down, drooling spit over their head, you know, it could be something <laughs> crazy that they, that they decided it wasn't the kindest thing in the world. And mm-hmm. so they said they were sorry. It could be something like that. Right. It could be, I was out, I hear this a lot. I was out on the swing set and the wind swirled around me and I knew God was with me. Hmm. It can be that. And wow. so how can we body um, openness, just a generous space and then wonder. I wonder where God is meeting you. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's a great, great acronym. Easy, easy to remember. Yeah. Um, so, but, but, really, as you're talking, it could be quite a challenge. I mean, this there's a lot of intentionality to to make this happen because oftentimes as adults, our default is that we um, sometimes want to, to a degree, even if we don't admit it, control the conversation. Yeah. Um, make sure you know, and sometimes out of a good place, make sure that a child isn't you know, wandering off, you know, the path type of a thing. And so we're, we're always trying to rein in as opposed to stepping back 
and yeah. and trying to be you know like you said generous with that openness as they as they share and I think and you probably Lacey experience the same thing as our children grow older into adolescence uh, I I think we as parents even even try to hold on to that a little more right because you know, <laughs> in, totally. in some ways of everything that's going on in the world and so many different voices as you said that's coming into their lives um, I I know in the book you shared. Um, some some other things that you do in your practice with children and in your, as you've said, holy listening and these spiritual conversations with children. Can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, some some of the things that I understand that you, you share that uh, sometimes you put different objects, you know, in their hands or share some, some things with them to help them. Can you talk a little bit about some of those um, very, very practical you know, kind of methods that you use to help with this, this openness and help these conversations? Mm, yeah, um, well, there's, there's lots and lots of ways to help to children to project their inner life outward, so that we can catch a glimpse of it. So it's important always to remember, we get to catch a glimpse of their relationship with God. Mm. Um, we never, we never get to um, get the whole thing. Uh, I love this quote from George McDonald. Maybe I can, I happen to have it handy, but it is a parent must respect the spiritual person of his or her child and approach it with reverence for that too looks the father in the face and has an audience with him into which no earthly parent can enter. Even he dared to desire it. So I think, um, you know, in terms of um, wanting to control, um, our, I, I can, in my own life and in the lives of many parents that I sit with in spiritual direction, our desire is, is our deepest desire is so good um, that we want our children to have relationship with God. Um, we want to spare them any pain. And yet we have to remember that their relationship with God is theirs. Mm. And it is an invitation to us as an adults to begin to ask the questions, Lord, how, how much do I actually trust you? Hmm. Do I trust you with my child's life? So it's a certainly a balance that we're always, it's a dance that we're doing. Um, and it begs our own spiritual formation. So, um, but, you, but you asked the question about what are some practical things? Mm -hmm. um, and children's lives and their spiritual lives are, are underground. We get to just see a glimpse of them. We see a few leaves sticking up, um, but there's lots of things happening where we don't see. And one of the ways that we can catch a better glimpse is to give them something to project it on. So um, I got this idea from Leanne Hadley, who is a pastor, I mean, a, a chaplain to children. Um, and um, she has some stones that she just has um, a few symbols on. And there's nothing fancy about them. Um, I have a, a picture of them in my book. You can find them on the web. Um, but then children, I say, can you take a look at these um, stones and pick three that tell uh, three stories about when you knew that God was with you this week? And then children pick those and they tell those stories. And as they tell those stories, what they're being invited to do is recognize God's movement in their life. 
And what happens when they recognize it is we lay down a neurological footprint in their brain just by saying it out loud and through recalling um, it, that's laying down a pathway. And then I mirror back. So I might say, oh, so you're, you're telling me that when you were out on the swing set and you felt the wind blowing around you, that you felt God's presence with you. Yes, maybe the child says, that's exactly what I'm saying. And then when I jumped off and I stuck the landing um, and I felt even more like God was with me. So I mirror that back. And in the listening, it lays down another layer of neurological imprint. And then, and then um, I say, that's, that's, you know, beautiful. That's amazing. Um, I wonder where God will meet you tomorrow. So now I've given them an invitation to look for where God will meet them tomorrow. And I might invite them to, what would you like to, um, you know, draw a picture of how that felt or maybe tell God, thank you. Um, I have some prayer beads, which again, nothing fancy. They're just a way for children to move their fingers and, um, or a finger labyrinth, which again, nothing fancy. It's just a way for children to pray with their bodies. Mm. Um, uh, because children haven't split the self, so all the dimensions of their person are. That's why they they communicate through play because their bodies are still um, uh, predominantly connected to their thinking and their feeling. That's also why they beg and cry for candy at the checkout hmm. um, and lay on the floor um, <laughs> because their bodies are still connected to their wants and their needs and they're communicating that way. Whereas I would really like for them to be quiet and I'm horribly embarrassed and yet I don't cry or scream because I've separated my body <laughs> right. from my thoughts and feelings. <laughs> Thanks be to God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for their benefit and mine. So so their body has to be involved. I mean, inviting children right now. I mean, we've, we've probably got some more time in this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, inviting them right now to pray Psalm 23 with their body. To lay down that neurological footprint in their brain and in their muscle memory of, that the Lord is their shepherd. And that they want for nothing. That God will be with them. Goodness and mercy will follow them all the days of their life. What would it look like? How would that shape and form them to pray that every day? With their bodies. Undoubtedly, um, they will sink into that passage and it will shape their thinking. And their feeling and their living. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. Um, Lacey... What would you, um, I mean, you, you shared a lot, but, but I'm just sitting here thinking about um, our pastors and, uh, you know, our local church leaders who are listening in. Mm-hmm. And what, what words of encouragement or guidance would you give them in regard to um, ministry with children in a local church setting? Mm. I, I would encourage um, pastors to um, uh, begin to see children, and, and many pastors, let me just say this, already do. Um, but but in, in as much as God's invitation is extended to you, to see children um, 
as part of the congregation and not just part of a children's ministry? Hmm. How can you... Um, how can you, in whatever your um, service looks like, involve children? How can you do that? How can you, um, maybe it means, um, uh, you know, could, could it mean listening spaces? Um, could it mean asking some questions during the sermon that specifically address children if the children are up during that time? Um, could it mean inviting them to help lead singing? Could it be, I mean, I think one of the gifts of our, our more liturgical churches um, has often been that children are acolytes. So they, we give them fire and parade them up the aisle. <laughs> uh, um, and that gives them a sense of responsibility. Right. They have ownership in the church and they have fire. Um, so what, what is, in, in every church, what would it look like to give children some responsibility and some ownership, really, um, in the church, and and what would it be like um, to have the church come around the children? I mean, people, you you don't have to have children to recognize children as being part of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, some of the um, most um, uh, people who hold the most power as our children, um, say fourth grade up are adults who are not within that child's family who just once once every now and then at at church or maybe you see them out in the community check in with them how you doing um i know some of the um churches that do i think um the most intentional work around children have gathered up the church to show up at kids ball games and concerts and that kind of thing Mm. and then and then they know they belong there right? because we've all got that sense of belonging. And if we continue to tell children that they are an aside in a congregation rather than they belong there, uh, I, I think um, they'll find their belonging somewhere else. It's mm, good. Really, really good. You know, Lacey, I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Some some fantastic insights that apply both to us as parents um, and us as ministry leaders and a way for us to maybe rethink um, some of the things that we're doing in, in children's ministry in our local churches. So thank you for making the time to to be with us. If, if someone wants to learn more about uh, your ministry, uh, learn more about your, your most recent book, um, what are some ways that they can connect with, with you? Sure. Um, you can go to my website, which is uh, gooddirtministries.org. Um, and um, my book and other resources are on that. And I'm teaching two classes uh, through the Companioning Center. So it's at the companioningcenter.org. And I'm teaching a class on spiritual conversations with children. And that's for pastors, that's for parents, grandparents. We usually have a lot of grandparents hmm. um, come because grandparents actually are the perfect people to accompany children. <laughs> they love more purely and, and with the most generosity of anyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> In fact, when children, um, ref- when we, I ask children to reflect on who most has loved you best, to say, you know, that's how God loves you, they often name their grandparents. Mm, sweet. 
Yeah. So uh, at the companioningcenter.org, you can take a class. Excellent. Love that. And we'll have links to those resources in the show notes for those of you who are listening and you can check out and, and get that additional information there. We encourage you to uh, take advantage of that. And Lacey's most recent book is again entitled Spiritual Conversations with Children, Listening to God Together. We encourage you to check that out as well. Lacey, thank you so much for joining us here on the Church Leaders Podcast. Wonderful to be with you, Jason. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. We hope you are finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast, and if so, we would appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcast so they can benefit as well. Thank you in advance. And if you have any comments, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send an email to podcasts at churchleaders.com or connect with me on Twitter. You can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the FaithPlay app, available for both Apple and Android. So be sure to check out FaithPlay. Until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well, and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.